worry about everything. Listen to me. Much of the agony that we experience in life is exactly what we have brought on ourselves. It is that we have not, in many of our choices, lived by faith. Most of our worry and fret is because we've tried to take the hardships and the burdens of life on us and carry it ourselves in our own wisdom, not trusting the Lord to direct the steps. Take the bull by the horns, you're going to get gored. If you're the captain of your own ship, prepare to sink. That's the lesson we see here in Ruth. Welcome. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Chris Gordon. Today, back in Chapter 2 of Ruth, we're looking at God's amazing providence in the midst of our trials and struggles. If we'll but trust Him, we'll see that providence. Here's Pastor Chris now with more. Does anything just happen to happen in this life? Does anyone believe that stupidity? Didn't just happen. This is the way the writer is, is having us think. As the scriptures say, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. Man plots his ways, but the Lord directs the steps. Ruth comes to the Lord's field, and she's trusting. In fact, um, this, was, uh, this was really dangerous. No direction, no way of knowing the future, no money, no way of knowing. For all of you young people who are worried about your future and what you're going to do, no way of knowing. She happens to come to a particular field. Now, I haven't opened up whose field this is yet. I'm going to wait for that. You know whose it is, but let's just wait for a minute. The words of the man stand out in verse 8. Look carefully. Do not go glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. What a shaming moment for Israel. (laughs) Do you see the story yet? This is exactly what Elimelech and Naomi didn't do. When everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes, the besetting sin of Israel was they looked to everyone else for deliverance. They looked to everyone else. They looked for all the answers elsewhere, not just for the nations, other pagan nations to defend them against opposition, but other nations to feed them. And they took matters into their own hands to do what? To find food. And in their hearts, they went to the fields of Moab There's a big reason Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. She did. I love that the Lord shows us a good way in the midst of all the failures that we see in scripture. She trusted the Lord. And what happens? He directs her steps. She happens to come to the field of this man named Boaz. And the whole thing is a scene of grace. It's a whole scene of God drawing this this young Moabite and leading her and guiding her. It's beautiful. It pictures exactly what it means to come to the fields of the Lord. What is the will of God? What's the will of God for life? Oh, we know that in terms of the revealed will, but the sort of mysterious things that we're supposed to seek out and try to find of what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to go and where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do in life, often we can't see the road ahead of us. We don't know exactly what the turn will be. 
We don't know exactly how or where he will lead. The story of the book, however, is presented to us as a picture, when I say, of people doing what's right in their own eyes. Ruth is presented as the opposite way of a person going after the Lord's will. Naomi's God told, remember, Naomi told her to turn back to her gods. (laughs) Did she listen? I couldn't help but think, is this, I wonder if this was on Jesus' mind. When he was preaching in the Gospels, and he said in Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. There's a play here on field that the author's working with. Keep your eyes on my field. Keep your eyes on my field. Hasn't that been the problem of the church? We worry about everything. We worry about the future. (laughs) We worry about our provision. We worry where we're going to go. We worry how we're going to be cared for. We worry about who we're going to marry. We worry about everything. Listen to me. Much of the agony that we experience in life is exactly what we have brought on ourselves. It is that we have not, in many of our choices, lived by faith. Most of our worry and fret is because we've tried to take the hardships and the burdens of life on us and carry it ourselves in our own wisdom. Not trusting the Lord to direct the steps even though that's his promise that he'll do that for us. It's not always easy to trust the Lord. Oh, I know. I'm not grandstanding up here. It's one of the most difficult things to do, isn't it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. But think about it. If Naomi and Israel viewed the Lord so intimately involved in their lives that when they made a bad decision, his heavy hand chastised them for wrongdoing, How much more when they trust in the Lord and seek his face will his hand of help and grace and mercy be upon them? He is intimately involved with his people. She happened to come to a certain field. (laughs) Come on. I want to tell all the um, young people wandering aimlessly through life, struggling with the will of God, to all of you who fear, The Lord will be your keeper. Did you hear me? The Lord will be your keeper. He'll preserve your going out and your coming in forever. Keep your eyes on his field. Keep your eyes on him. Listen to him. Anytime people are living and doing what's right in their own eyes, they're not in his field. His kingdom, his church. You always see it. When people are living in their own way, the last field they come to is the church. They stay away from it out of their life as far as they can. A lot of people in life suffer hardship because they're doing what's right in their own eyes. What is that like today? 
It's similar to running somewhere to escape all the hardship of your life. It could be to a bottle. It could be to anything. And when you do that, what's the last thing? Is the priority when we move on? The Lord's field. God is showcasing his mercy to Ruth, wanting you to see it. You know, think of the situation where Naomi goes, loses the husband, her her sons marry unbelievers. Now, I know Ruth's going to be the most remarkable redemption story here. That's not guaranteed in every circumstance. In fact, that's not the rule. You know, pastor said to me years ago when he was preaching, not to me, he said to the congregation, but always stuck with me. He was preaching on young people um, wrestling with who to marry. And of course, this missionary dating thing has been around for a long time. It always stuck with me what he said. He said, you need to think very carefully about who you marry. He said, those who have made the awful mistake of marrying somebody not committed to the Lord. And then he says somebody who may not even be a believer have become traitors to God's covenant. And I remember freezing right there. I needed to hear that as a young man because I tried it. I tried it. I put a ring on another gal's finger who was not following the Lord. Good thing she dumped me. It's one of the biggest decisions of life. And you can ruin your life quickly this way. Make a lot of hardship on yourself. And everyone knows this. I don't even have to make the case for this. Everyone here knows this. But we play with it. Are we doing our own wills? They were pursuing life on their own terms. And all the hardship came down on them. Thankfully. Marry well, young people. Marry well. Will you hear me? Look at the surprising placement now. As God shows us and showcases this surprising moment of this Moabitess, as she trusted him. Hope in the Lord, you waiting saints, and he will well provide. It's a surprising provision that now comes out. Notice this. Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. She happened to arrive in this man's field. The first thing that's highlighted is the character of this man. He's a remarkable man. Verse 4, he came from Bethlehem. He said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. They answered, the Lord bless you. This is a good man. This is a gracious man. This is a compassionate landowner. Is, Is a marriage about to happen here? See the teasing? Couldn't be. Boaz notices Ruth. It's told to him that this Moabite woman had really been something in trusting the Lord and and coming back and leaving everything and came to the land of Israel and how she cared for for her mother-in-law. Listen, my daughter, don't go in any other field. Stay close to my young woman. Let your eyes be on the field in which they reap. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? Whoa. A surprising provision of protection. This is tough for fathers, you know, when you let those little girls go. I'm letting mine drive to trust the Lord, don't you? And that's a little thing. I know you, the older parents are saying that's a little thing. 
There's a lot more we have to trust with. He, she comes into this field of this good man, happened to, who's of such righteous character and rewards her immediately. Look at verse 10. She said to him, why have I found grace in your eyes? That you should take notice of me, a foreigner. Notice a, a little weak, alone Moabite in the Lord's field, as opposed to the field of Moab, is totally protected under the, his sheltering care. <laughs> he who dwells under the shelter of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver me. He will protect me. But then comes the emphasis on what got Elimelech and Naomi in trouble to begin with. Come, verse 14. Listen, isn't this great? Eat my bread. Eat my bread. Dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. And he gave her a seat among the reapers, not the gleaners. The reapers, this poor outcast foreign woman, ate to the full, even having leftovers, drank freely from the vessels of water. Have a seat at my table. Dip your bread here. Be full. Verse 15. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. Let the grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned. And it was an ephah of barley. <laughs> Without her knowing it, Behind the scenes, Boaz is ordering everything. You take home an ephah of barley. That is like taking home a half of year's wages then. Oh, but wait. Running to the fields of Moab seems so much better, doesn't it? This is like the parable of the prodigal. Eating the pods which the pigs ate, thinking that leaving his father's house was better. All because he was dissatisfied with his father. Unbelievable. A good father. A father who loved him. A father who cared for him. A father who gave him everything. But he wanted the inheritance. That's all that mattered. Give me the inheritance and I'm out of here. Give me my money and I'm out of the church. That's what people live like. So he went and tested it. And he lived in riotous living. And one day he awoke as he's eating the pods that pigs ate in the pigsty. What am I doing here? I'm going back to my father. And the father comes running when he sees his son. There was a robe around him. Was it angry with him? He was bawling. Put a ring on his finger and he fed him. Israel. Oh, Israel. This good God brought you out of your, a bad field. <laughs> It's called Egypt. It delivered you from bondage and you wanted to go back. And then your whole way, you didn't trust him. He rained down bread on your doorsteps. You didn't trust him. And then you got bitter to him at Mara. You complained against him. And you said, this God's no good to us. You didn't provide for us. What? They say that Augustine's most famous line, right? We're restless until we find rest in you. We've heard that a million times. How about this one? We are bitter people until we're satisfied in the Lord. Look at his care. 
Look at this gracious landowner through Boaz. Protection, provision. What could she have imagined that would have been better than this? And that ends on my last brief point here of the surprising provider. Notice it. She gleaned in the field until evening. She beat out what she gleaned. It was an ephah of barley. She took it and went up to the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She brought it out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? Where have you worked? Blessed is this man who took notice of you. The man's name is Boaz. (gasps) All of a sudden, bitter Naomi is revived. In one minute, her bitterness is gone. After all that pain, Did you see verse 20? Blessed is the Lord. That doesn't sound like the woman of the first chapter, does it? Blessed is the Lord who's not forsaken his kindness. Notice, to the living and the dead. God's not against my husband for taking him. God's not against me. He loves us. I see it now. Oh, what do you see? What changed Naomi from bitterness to praise, was an understanding. She thought, in her failure of the Lord so badly, and in the sins that they, her family had made, it proved that the Lord was against her. This is a big moment in this book. That the Lord was out to get her. You read Judges 2 today. Why do you think God kept sending judges? Was he out to get them? Was he not pleased with them? Well, if they're going to go worship other gods, who would be? This is the Lord. But in the darkest moment of providence, this is what we do to the Lord. We don't listen to what he's saying to us. God was not attacking her. God loved her. And God loved Israel. He made a covenant with them. And as the plan begins to unfold, this is the most glorious story. He's one of our kinsmen redeemers. (gasps) She is in deep thought over the mysteries of providence. Here's what she's thinking. What if, what if Elimelech's kin marries Ruth? I'm redeemed. In Old Testament law, a kinsman redeemer was obligated to buy back his relatives if they fell into debt or slavery, or if a close relative lost and died, um, he would marry the widow and raise up a child from the brother who had died. Naomi's like, he's one. What does Naomi say? Stay in that field. Don't go to any other field. You don't go anywhere. It's good, my daughter, that you go out with this young women. Yeah, of course. That the people do not meet you in any other field. So, in other words, you stay where there is a place of hope. Don't go to the fields of Moab. Don't ever return anywhere else. You stay right there. And that's the big picture today, beloved. Look at the story of our lives. We run from him. We test him. We doubt him. We've taken matters into our own hands. And what does he do? He takes the poor when we have squandered everything. 
He takes the broken, takes the outcasts, takes the nobodies, takes the foreigners, and he gives you the best place at his table. He fills you with living water. He gives you his son. He gives you Jesus. What do you lack? What do you lack? A kinsman redeemer? Are you kidding? We know this story. Somebody bought us back with a price. He shed his blood and died for us and bought us back to bring us to the table, to give us food and happiness and joy and comfort, all because of his kessid. This word's all over this book. His covenant loyalty, his loving kindness to a bitter people. And showcase before us our two parents of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will. Jesus calls us to himself. Trust me. I love you. I've done everything necessary to save you and buy you back. When you pray to your father, he's going to care for you because I've what I've earned for you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to shelter you. Why are you living in fear and fret? Come to me, says Jesus today. I'll give you the rest you're looking for. Remain with me. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells everything that he has and he buys that field. That's a field worth staying in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good to us beyond comparison. We don't even fathom the depths of your kindness and goodness when we are such rebels. Is there anyone here today who still wants to live in another field? What foolish choice. Thank you for your grace and mercy in bringing us home. Thank you for filling us with every good thing. But most of all, thank you for redeeming our lives the blood of your son, a good savior, a kind savior, one who intends good to us. We offer you our praise today and ask that you would receive it, for we know we're not righteous in and of ourselves. May, O oh Lord, by your grace and mercy, we learn to trust you in all aspects of our lives. Thank you for saving us by grace. Give us faith in every circumstance to know that the Lord will guide our steps. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And amen and amen. Well, we thank you for taking some of your valuable time and spending it with us here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Chris Gordon. We do trust that our time together today has brought about some real encouragement in your walk and relationship with Christ. We'd love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us and let us know how the broadcast encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways of reaching out to us. You can visit us online, agradio.org. That's agradio.org. Or by calling 888-504-8805. 
you have questions, write them to us, questions at agradio.org, or use your voice memo app on your smartphone or your device. Record your question, and again, mail it to us, questions at agradio.org, and we'll do our best to answer them as they come to us. Abounding Grace Radio is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can visit our website for links to the platform that you like to follow. And if you have an interest in redirecting some of your financial resources to Abounding Grace Radio, well, we are listener-supported. You, along with others, have seen the value of this program, how it speaks into your life spiritually. So if you're someone who sees the value of this program for your growth in Christ, well, get in touch with us. As always, no gift is too small or too large. One-time gift, recurring gift, it all sustains this broadcast here on this station. You can go to agradio.org and donate online securely or call 888-504-8805 or send your donation via mail, Abounding Grace, P.O. Box 732, Linden, Washington. The zip code is 98264. Again, thank you for taking some of your valuable time and directing it our way. It's greatly appreciated, and we trust you've been encouraged in Christ. Until next time, God bless. Abounding Grace is brought to you on this radio station by Abounding Grace Radio Ministries. Hi, this is Chris Gordon, pastor of the Escondido United Reformed Church. I'd like to invite you to our Sunday worship services at 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. on Sunday. We have two worship services, 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. We preach Christ and Him crucified with the goal that you would live in the joy of this comfort in the knowledge of the forgiveness of all of your sins. 1864 North Broadway is the address here in Escondido. We'd love to see you this Sunday.